0: Fucker. Uh, as ever, hi moms, <laughs> welcome back to A Simple Podcast, the podcast where we discuss in some have said obsessive detail the 2018 classic film A Simple Favor. I am Christina Tucker, one of your co-hosts, an internet homosexual writer about town and with me as always are my two pals and co-hosts Alana and Jordan give me your intros right now I demand them
1: <laughs> I I am Jordan Cruciola I more the more we do this podcast the more I love a simple favor so I'm even more affirmed in our decision to do this with each passing week uh, very on, very some might say very online, and mm-hmm. uh, many many would rightly say uh, also a fellow queer about town, so how about you, Alana
2: <laughs> also a queer about town also growing further obsessed with (laughs) Simple Favor (laughs) as we dive into the the nuances and details that made it come to life. Mm -hmm. I feel like we already had such a like fervent relationship with it just as viewers and now it feels like we're getting this whole like behind the scenes narrative Mm -hmm. that is honestly... I can't. I'll, I'll write the biopic about this film one day. <laughs> and yes, I'm Alana Bennett. I'm a culture writer and screenwriter. And here we are.
1: And once again, we are not alone in the room. We have we have managed to secure yet another very special guest, which honestly, how do we keep doing this? Uh, Jessica Sharzer, will you please introduce yourself to the friends and fans of A Simple Favor? Give it up. <laughs>
3: Stop smiling for a second. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm Jessica Sharzer. I'm a writer uh, in Los Angeles, and I wrote this movie. Um, yes. I am so honored to be here, and I'm so tickled that this podcast exists. I can't <laughs> quite believe it, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but thank you for inviting me.
2: I need everybody in the audience to know that if Jessica is not a household name in your household, that you need to fix that. She directed
1: *Speak*. Yeah, fix your house. Fix yes. your own house. Fix your fix house. Your house. <laughs> she
2: directed and adapted *Speak*. Uh, She's a. She was a co-EP on *American Horror Story* and *Star*, and of course, a, simple a little favor. film. A little, a little film. That if you have not heard of and you are listening to this,
1: <laughs> I think you're lost, but you are still welcome here. <laughs> yeah, you were lost, but you are also found and welcome. <laughs> Definitely found. So
3: um, now, Yeah. A a gonna, let's, no, yeah. I was just going to say,
0: how did you find this book? What was your process for adapting it? Like, let's start from the very beginning. Right. Because it, it,
1: it obviously was in kind of suspended animation in the studio system for a bit. So there, there's a journey. This
3: had to go on a journey. Well, I have to correct something. It was not in suspended animation Ooh. at all. It okay. super fast. Okay. Oh. Yes, yeah. I heard you guys say that earlier. I'm not sure where they the source was for that. Yeah. Okay. It actually went lightning fast. And I'll okay. It. And
1: thank you for correcting the record. I apologize yeah. for that. I think thank that was you. like Vanity
2: Fair or something, not to throw Vanity Fair under the bus. It was one of those, <laughs> it, was,
1: it, it was definitely an article. Yeah. I know I didn't make it up. I know, <laughs> I, I know I can't cite my source for it, but I definitely know I didn't just decide to say it. But thank you for <laughs> oh. correcting that.
2: Yes. We're very glad to have the record straight.
3: Here's the record. I I can tell you the real. Um, so it started at Fox 2000. They bought the rights to the book when it was before it was published and it was way before the book was published. So it was like almost a year before the book Mm. was published. And, um, they decided without a producer, without a director attached, they were going to develop it in house at the studio Mm -hmm. and hire a writer and then go put it together once they had a script. So I wrote it just with the studio. There was no producer, no director. Got it. Um, And by the time it got to the head of the studio, who was Elizabeth Gabler, she read it and she said, oh, and Gone Girl had just come out. Mm. Wow. Mm -hmm. And so we knew we were in conversation with Gone Girl, like, and in fact, the book, I don't know if you've read the, the novel. But then uh,
1: Christina Christina is am, a
3: representative yes. literature expert on yes, this not
1: one. to brag, but I've read one book. <laughs> and
3: that <was> this one. <laughs> so as you know, Christina, the novel does a, a very similar thing to Gone Girl in the sense that in the middle of the novel, it switches to Emily's perspective. Yes, and okay. And you find out exactly what her plan is and what she's up to, right? Mm-hmm. So when I walked in to interview for the job. I took a bit of a risk, and I said, "I really don't think we can do that because Gone Girl just did it, and they did it big. You know, they yeah. did it the hit movie. Yeah. And I just think we can't be the Gone Girl ripoff, right? Mm-hmm. So um, my pitch was, let's just tell the story through Stephanie's point of view, and let let Anna's story. I mean, let um, sorry, let let Emily's story come in through through uh, the Stephanie character. Mm -hmm. So they went for that, um, and they hired me. And um, I wrote the script. Uh, I wrote a couple drafts for the studio. And when Elizabeth Gabler read it, she said, I really want to push this toward comedy and satire. Can we Mm -hmm. get a comedy producer? And my agent, I have to give her credit, um, Karen Sage, she suggested, she looked at the list of their directors, and she suggested Paul these.
1: A great suggestion. A great Amazing. suggestion. It's a great suggestion. And it worked out very nicely
3: for everybody. So we sent it to Paul to produce it, and he read it, and he said, "I want to direct this." Mm-hmm. It was Not what anyone was expecting, and so <laughs> thrilling. And honestly, it was like it was shocking and thrilling. And then we really took the script in the next round much more toward comedy. Mm-hmm. So um, my script that he read was a little more noir and a little darker and had mm. a more cynical ending. Mm-hmm. And he, you, you know, he has his own style. And so his moves his right. were about pulling it towards what he wanted to do, which was really a blend of like a Hitchcock movie with something much lighter and more fun. And so um, that's that was the evolution of it. And then when we were about, we were casting it and we had Anna and Blake attached. And there was some hesitance on the part of Fox 2000. Mm-hmm. And Paul was saying, I don't know if he shared this with you, but he said, look, we've got this tiny window when both these women mm-hmm. are at all, right? Yeah. Other movies, of course, lined up right after this. Right. We so have this very short window to get them both and to do this movie, are you in or out? And they really weren't <laughs> fully in. So <laughs> he said to them, can I take it somewhere else? And luckily, he took it to Lionsgate. Within 72 hours, we were up and running at Lionsgate, and they really understood sort of like what we were trying to do, and they took it over. And so it ended up being a Lionsgate movie, but it did not start out at Lionsgate. Right, right. Um, but I have to say, having been through this process before, it was really fast, and it was really kind of like magic green lights that happened along the way. And getting Paul involved was obviously a huge... Who. Sure. um so that was it was great and we were shooting months later
2: so that's amazing 72 hours
3: that's- <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is that we we literally we're going to see <laughs> actresses not wow. ever fast So sometimes time pressure actually helps you Because it forces people to make a decision yeah. That is
1: the that is the like I feel like that is the Hollywood drama That like this as when Alana w- Writes the biopic about it Like that is exactly <laughs> right. how we would Take how artistic license would be Taken to like heighten the suspense But it's <laughs> actually real Like no 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 we have three days yes. It'll be 18
2: hours week. in the script Yeah, okay. yeah.
3: Take your hours, take an hour 47 <laughs> Just like looking the, at us. The Do you know that the novel's called Six Days of the Condor? And then of course, the movie, six days was way too many. It's <laughs> not even anything. That's not That's even a, a whole week. week. <laughs> That's not a work week. What is six days? <laughs>
2: What's that? I am picturing oh. Paul Feig just like next to his telephone, like biting his nails, like with a cocktail next <laughs> to him, and like like yes. tapping his cane nervously. <laughs> <laughs>
3: But it was dead i mean it was really like a sad three days because we're like we are either completely dead in the water or we're about to make the movie it was what it was very yeah
0: <laughs> what a wow. precipice to dangle at emotionally <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Well, I, 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 jumping off of something that, that Paul uh, did say to us in our conversation with him was how he so admired what was going on in the script because his he wanted to make a thriller and he loves these Hitchcockian classics, but that isn't where his brain works natively. So he was like, I, I've always wanted to make one of those movies, but like, I don't know how to write one of those movies. So what was the the interplay like of that revisions process of you coming from this one side and Paul bringing, obviously, his very clear-cut expertise in the the comedy and send-up realm? How was that sort of mess? meshing of sensibilities.
3: Yeah. Well, there were some things that I changed that were pretty radical from the book to the script. And mm-hmm. having read the book, you know that there's a do. Whole, whole other huge development that happens where they kill the insurance adjuster. Oh. Wild. Okay. <laughs> play, the great character enlists Anna to help kill, murder the insurance adjuster and frame Henry Golding for <laughs> it. So it's like this insane third act that, you know, I just decided to lose that entire last part of the book. Um, there's various... a lot to
0: put in there. Yeah. We've <laughs> gone so many places by that point
2: already to add another. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah. the sequel. Maybe that was <laughs> yes. Maybe <those> were <laughs> the sequel.
3: But the other thing, as you know from reading the book, there's not any, there's almost no dialogue in the book. Mm-hmm. So, yes. oh, wow. Book was really invented. And what I... Really came to was that it's a both a cat and mouse story and a love story between these two women. Right. Yes. Um, that's absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for recognizing that. <laughs> and I and I love the idea. Um, I'm a mom myself. I'm a single mom, like like Anna Kendrick, and um, I love the idea of this mommy war of the stay at home mom versus the career mom, and the idea that both think the grass is greener on the other side and both have like insecurities about the decisions they've made and all of that. And I wanted to do a send up of that, but in a genre, in a genre way.
1: So hard to connect with other moms and then when you have a full-time job, it's-
3: Okay, okay, don't pull that crap. Being a mom is a full-time job. What I do is hard work. Um, and so, uh, anyway, there were a lot of changes I made from the book. And Paul really didn't change the structure, with the exception of the very first meeting we had, and this is pure Paul, I don't know if he shared this with you, but he said, I don't do cynical endings. He said, I don't do downplay mm-hmm. movies. Yeah, he do did say so that. At the end, and I had a very noir, cynical ending. Um, and that speaks to my personality, probably. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, you know, it also was very much in keeping with the genre. And um, he just really wanted things to work out for everybody. Um, <laughs> he really like is a, a true humanitarian at heart, you know, and he's like, he just loves people and mm-hmm. he typically loves women, which is really an amazing thing. Um, and so I, you know, I I changed the ending pretty um intensely under his supervision. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the truth is the rest of the structure did not change all that much. So he's right that like, he left the structure intact. And what he told me after he read it was that it was a real page turner for him. And every new twist, he was like, I just didn't see that coming. And that was what he loved about the read. And in fact, um, when I did, he gave me a lot of notes. And when I did his notes, he actually ended up saying, I think I... I changed this too much. And what he did was he took mm-hmm. the first draft he had read and the new draft, and he ended up sort of mixing and matching them together. Mm-hmm. He did like a cut and paste document of bringing back some of the old stuff that he missed. Mm-hmm. And I felt that that was both, I mean, it speaks to the fact that, you know, he realized that he had changed too much, but also, you know, when somebody's the director, as a writer, you really are beholden to whatever their vision is. Right. So that is right. the vision you're serving, and that's the system. But I really was um, impressed and, and moved by the fact that he actually said, like, I think the old version was better in places. Because yeah. that takes a really um, sturdy ego, I think. Yeah. To, to mm-hmm. say, Like, eh, I think I pushed you too far in the wrong direction, and I'm going to pull it back to what you had. I mean, the emphasis and re-emphasis,
1: it seems like at every turn that we have gleaned from from talking about this and reading about it and and speaking with people is that he is a a collaborator first of that me. is exactly yeah. what like, I was
2: yeah. say. like in the true sense of the word a yeah. collaborator and Truly. that's probably what makes him like the kind of director who's popped so much in comedy is he knows how to actually work with people to bring out them mm-hmm. and it seems like i'm very happy to hear that that's not just the case with like a-list actors like right. maya rudolph and <laughs> mccarthy and stuff like that but also with people behind the scenes who it's much easier to drag around right yeah
3: Oh, he really is a collaborator and I, I love working with him and, and I have worked with directors who really don't want the writer anywhere near mm-hmm. the set, anywhere near mm-hmm. the process. Mm-hmm. Like, now that I'm, you know, in the driver's seat, I need you to step aside and I, yeah. I had that experience too. He is not like that. Um, and we had such a fun exchange once we started working together, um, you know, like one of the notes he gave me, for example, was, you know, if, if there's going to be a gun, it's a very smart <laughs> He said, if there's gonna be a gun that shows up in the third act, very checkup, mm-hmm. uh, we need to set it up earlier. Right. We need to set up this lady gun. So, so I added that little detail about Anna finding the gun in the closet. Right, uh, right. Right, exactly. and I was him in an email, I was like, do you mind if I add a big pink dildo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Down, Always a good question in oh. screenwriting. <laughs> like what's in my bedroom drawer and so anyway, <laughs> that combination
2: classic classic <laughs> combination <laughs> self
3: defense and self <laughs> care self defense and
1: self care <laughs> as long as you
2: don't has- mix them up
1: you're
0: going to want to keep those very separate that's right. going to be crucial <laughs> yeah. well,
2: you don't that- want like like just like reach into like blindly into your drawer that's
3: all it is
1: well, that like that leads me to something that, like the very the very unabashedly and which is no surprise because as a Paul Feig movie, but like the very unabashedly female movie that you were able to write with this and that was that lived and thrived in its in its passes with the male director you were working with and in that spirit of collaboration. And one of the things that we've talked a lot about so far, if you've been listening, is how wonderfully realized the shades of motherhood are in this, Mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. ways that it, in the way that it honors different approaches to it. Like Emily has a lot she could indeed apologize for, but like she clearly like her child and the love for, the love for her little boy is what sort of railroads any self-serving plan that she really does have because at the end of the day, it's all about him. And like you said, in your experience as a single mother as well, I wanted to hear about how you, how you worked in that lived experience into this and, and sort of watched it come to fruition on screen.
3: Yeah. Um, it's interesting because when I was on the red carpet for this movie, I was asked very unexpectedly, like, which of the moms do I identify with more? <laughs> and I was really stuck by that because, you know, the movie is told very much from Stephanie's point of view and Emily is this really wild, eccentric character and very mysterious. But I mean the truth is I'm a working mom. I work really hard. My kids know and they complain all the time that I work all the time. My daughter would say, you work all the time. And mm-hmm. other other moms pick their kids up from school and you're not there in the ballet line. You know? Right, right. It's true. And it's and it's something I feel guilty about. I carry a lot of, you know, mixed feelings about that. At the same time, I love what I do. It's right. not just yeah. It's not just to pay for this. It's so much better than that. And trying to convey that to her mm-hmm. that it's you know it's it's a very big part of my life, and it's mm-hmm. a very it's a choice that I made. It's not it's not just you know an mm-hmm. obligation. Mm-hmm. And so I. I actually feel like I'm sort of a, a match of the two women in the mm-hmm. sense I'm like super geeky and nerdy. I would look at somebody like Emily and be in awe of her, you know, and intimidated by her. And Congratulations. I'm- you're a human being. Awesome. <laughs> Excellent <laughs> so news. Glamorous, and she's so powerful and you okay. know, mysterious and she's all those things. And, and you know, I think... Uh, you know i i'm not like that at all um like constantly wearing my sweatpants and and that's how i that's my work you know outfit but but anyway i i i feel like i'm sort of both those women and the war between them of ideologies is a war that's internal for me so i wanted to give them equal voice and equal weight Mm -hmm. and i wanted to really see both sides of it and the burden of both and this the feeling of being invisible for Stephanie and the fact that she's disrespected and invisible, both at school and, you know, in her life, she feels alone. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the burdened career mom feels like her phone never stops ringing and she's constantly has to answer to somebody. And it's, that's a different, that's a different burden, you know? um, And there are gifts to both of those things too. Um, But, uh, Yeah, I just, I I liked the whole topic because I felt like my friends and I talk about it all the time anyway. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well,
1: and I feel like I'm asking a lot now, I don't want to cut in on your book, like, what book expertise questions you have well, here, Christina, or... So
0: I do have, I obviously have some book expertise questions, as famously, <laughs> a reader who is, who is a book expert. Yeah. Um, I was like, do we want to spoil the book? That feels unkind, but then also, like, whatever, at this point, we're this deep in a, simple, <laughs> in a limited series Simple Favour podcast, like, read the book or don't, friends, like, yeah, we're talking
2: about? It. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, so, of course, I think being who we are we gotta talk about the queerness element that has been added yes. because i think it's obviously what this group of fine homosexuals as my co-hosts um really glommed onto in the film yeah. and reading the book i was really surprised to see that there's like if there's any it's real some text <laughs> um so like where where did you decide to bring that in where did that come from for you like why was that such something that you really want, felt was important to add
3: i mean it was my own interest honestly yeah. It was yeah. like um, I just I wanted it in there. It was something that I I identified with, um, mm-hmm. and I I liked the idea that because Emily's had these different identities, like why couldn't she have been with women? Mm-hmm. Identity, yeah. you know, and she also seems like somebody who's open to that, you know, in, in every way. And so I just liked it. It was just I don't know. I can't tell you why (laughs) that's a great reason why yeah that is a great reason
2: right yeah it clearly worked (laughs) for all of us yeah (laughs) a deep level I feel like it really if I had to I mean there's the costumes there's the directing there's like every thing that makes this movie pop but I think that for so many of us like what like really brought it together was that the queerness was not Subtext that it was mm-hmm. textual. I think yeah. that really like took it to the next level, past what like we see in so many thrillers of like the Gone Girl variety. Yeah. Well,
3: mm-hmm. well, well, the other thing is when I say it's a love story between these two women, I really mean it in the sense that the structure of it is literally yes. a love story where you, the first time you see Blake Lively, that's like a shot straight out of a Victoria's Secret ad. I mean, it's yes. like, it's really sexy and romantic. Quite,
1: quite actually, we, we learned in our conversation with Renee that the cinematographer has indeed shot Victoria's Secret commercials. <laughs> wow.
3: <laughs> Fifty Shades of gray
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh.
3: A guy is qualified, right? But even in the, even in the um, script, it said, slow motion, the most beautiful woman you've ever seen, walks, you know, through the rain, like it was written to be a love story moment, mm-hmm. and yeah. Anna desperately wants Blake to see her, just to see her. Let's start with that. Well, yeah, yeah. So, so That's <laughs> yeah. her. And so, one of the notes I got from Fox 2000 that really shifted my thinking about the story was that when she tells the the brother fucker story, mm-hmm. she's desperate for for. Blake to admire her and to see her as not the Prissy mm-hmm. Square mom yeah. to her as. And that is her shot over the bow. Like that <laughs> is like, yes. okay, I'm going to go for broke here. I'm going I'm going for it. I mean, that amazing. is a moonshot. It's yeah. quite a shot of crossing
2: <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask about that scene actually. we did ask Paul about every detail of directing it, and I do want to hear from you as the person who wrote it. Uh, obviously, we have a we have a <laughs> feature in this podcast every week. Don't I'd don't, don't. <laughs> This is good. <gasps> talking about how we feel about it, and so
1: we would love to hear how you feel about yeah, it. Yeah, we would oh. love to hear about the architecture of Brother Fucker from your perspective.
3: Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that scene actually is, uh, I'm very proud to say, like, pretty much exactly as scripted from the very Amazing. beginning of it, and the thing I kept saying to Fox 2000 was, are we really gonna do the incest? Are we <laughs> really gonna do it? Because I wanna do it! I wanna- <laughs> I said it's a fair <laughs> question. It's like I'm from North American Horror Story. I'm prepared. To right. Go Are you guys
2: I'm ready? Right.
3: So yes. I'm and they were a little bit like biting their fingernails, going, <laughs> "Yes, we think we want to do it. Yeah. You know. But we went for it and, uh-huh. and kept waiting. I literally kept waiting for the phone call to say we're going to have to cut it. Right. Right. Because it's a studio movie, and I just, yeah, that is one of the last. You know taboos. Let's face it, mm-hmm. there are all- yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, right? I get it. But that is maybe the ultimate taboo, and so I kept waiting for it to go away, and it just stayed. And I, I was so thrilled because, to me, that's maybe the most shocking thing in the movie.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely.
3: Incredibly totally shocking. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe there was a Hollywood movie with that for your hero, and you still love her. You know. Yes. Yeah. You yeah, do. It's like- you you accept the terms that it introduces. <laughs>
1: shockingly fast you're like oh my god okay yeah no yeah okay
2: and it does click something into gear when it comes to this woman like there's something darker in her and that's what's drawing these two women together i don't know why my brain just went to in terms of comparable shockingness. is i always hear people reference it from snowpiercer the scene where chris evans delivers a monologue about having eaten a lot of babies baby (laughs) baby baby baby. yeah and it's like and it's like this a-list like hunk of an actor delivering a monologue covered in dirt about have, eating babies and that's what <laughs> it feels like to see anna kendrick be like yeah i fucked my brother
1: right exactly well but the thing like when in snowpiercer like i don't think chris evans says that end. until late yeah at that's the at the end, end of snowpiercer Brother is like the first <laughs> quarter of a
2: single favor. It's, it's like, like it's, it's introducing the movie still.
3: <laughs> yeah. What I love about the scene is when she realizes she's drunk and she said too much and then she can't take it back. So <laughs> yeah. She just like wants to suck the words back in and she does it mm-hmm. so beautifully. I mean, it's so painful to watch that performance and it's so charming. And I think it actually buys her a lot of goodwill in spite of mm-hmm. what story she's telling <laughs> like oh I wish I could take that back and
0: now it's too late yeah it's remarkable how charming and likable that moment makes her when you think about what she is it's only when you really think about what she's saying that like not only did she famously fuck her brother but that she was like he looked just like my dad so I had to have sex i like it's crazier and crazier the more you think about it but yeah you find it so charming in the moment because of that performance
3: my dad died when I was a senior in high school um This boy showed up to the funeral.
1: His name was Chris. And I guess he was the spitting image of my father, 30 years younger. My mom thought she saw a ghost. And it turned out he was my half-brother. And it's it not is, even like, the suggestion of it. We're seeing it with a cross yes. flash. It's not even yes. like, well, I can't. It's in my imagination. It's like right. we're having this served up on a plate right now with Ted from Schitt's Creek. Yeah, and I, I love the confirmation in that moment. Sorry, go
3: ahead. No, sorry, i go ahead.
2: Oh no, I was saying I love the comf- that we get the confirmation in that moment, like, there's no doubt <laughs> yeah. you need to know that she really did fuck her brother. <laughs> and also that it is, it's charming because these women are leaning into each other for real for the first time. Yeah. It is, it's like this juicy emotional scene wrapped in the
3: wildest
2: confession. <laughs> totally.
3: And, and the other thing was, I was on set that day that they were shooting the brother fucker, the sex scene, and I don't know if I'll share this with you, but he really is uncomfortable shooting sex. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he did say up, that. He did say that. at the monitor with his hands over his eyes, look, peering through his fingers like, are we done yet? You know, so but, but I have to say that really speaks a lot to who he is because I think the idea, his his discomfort with maybe exploiting a woman by showing her body or showing, her, yeah. that's part of what makes him so endearing to me, you know. he He goes the other way from other male directors you I've watched who just want more skin and more, you know, more, 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 right. And he goes the other way where he doesn't, he wants to be super respectful. Um, So it was kind of funny to be on set for that. But um, yeah, a lot of fun.
1: Well, I think the, a, lot of I, fun. A, a lot of fun fun for everybody totally you know, every week like, <laughs> yeah maybe not the whole family but like for most <laughs> people
0: for certain members of it i
1: would uh, <laughs> definitely <laughs> a lot of fun i the that idea of you know like that scene like that you know the, the sex scene in there the the only sex humorously like the majority of the sex scenes in this movie belong to stephanie which is very funny to me um but i like i wanted to talk to you about like Obviously like you're coming from the perspective of a lady, but like what the the wonderful sort of portraits of intimacy in, in terms of this love story are so richly done. And there's clearly such like an understanding of the lived experience of sort of these like fuzzy friendship, sort of gray areas overwhelmed with a lot of feelings. That sort of, I feel like are hallmarks of the experience of like growing up as a woman and and having these intense attachments to to other women that you covet and that you admire and that you maybe have a huge crush on or kind of a little bit in love with and are also maybe afraid of. Like Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to hear from you sort of like developing, you know developing that emotional arc as you did and really like taking it from the taking it from subtext to text and you know we already touched on this a little bit but i i want to emphasize just the importance like if you've heard us talking about it already if you've heard the pod how important it is to have explicit representation in that regard when we're so often used to being queer baited right. and mm-hmm. then having it fully realized in front of us and cementing the additional shades of, of how complex these relationships can be between women. I, I just sort of wanted to hear your perspective on like, no, I'm going to put all this on the page and like, hopefully the studio is going to go for it.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I, to their credit, both Fox 2000 and Lionsgate, they, they never asked to pull back on that. Ever. That's so great to hear. Ever. I mean, and I have to say, I mean, and, and now that I think of it, it was all women executives who were on the project. Interesting. Interesting. When we moved to a new studio, it was a female executive, and um, I don't know if that has anything to do with the final product. But I'll just put it out there that sure. it was almost all women, with the exception of Paul. Literally, <laughs> it was all women everywhere. And um, so I think you know, women really related to both in the script and in the movie those intense enmeshments that you have with other women. Mm -hmm. Whether they are ever become sexual or not, Mm -hmm. there are shades of that all the way along.
1: Oh yeah, I killed my dad and my sister, but I could never kill my husband fucking best friend.
3: Am I really your best friend? You're not just saying that for, you know.
1: No, no, no,
2: I'm not just saying that at all. I get worried that it's just me. I know sometimes I was worried about that too.
3: Those intense enmeshments that you have with other women Mm -hmm. Whether they're ever become sexual or not, Mm -hmm. there are shades of that all the way along, Um, and I've certainly had those experiences where I feel like I'm falling in love with a friend. Yes, you know, have played that out, and and you know, sometimes it's a disaster, and (laughs) sometimes not. But like, it's um, we have such fierce connections to other women, Mm -hmm. and that. You know, we very rarely see that in movies. Um, it's just not of interest in, in a Hollywood sense, which is a shame because some of my favorite movies, um, I don't know if you've seen The Turning Point, but it's like one mm-hmm. of my movies, Shirley MacLaine and Anne Bancroft. Yeah. And it's about this intense female friendship and, and they literally, t- they, they go to war in the climactic scene and they're having this epic fight where they're pulling each other's hair and they're screaming at each other and all the truth comes pouring out and then they burst out laughing (laughs) because they know each other better than anybody in their life after all these years and it's just i never see those scenes in movies and so i really wanted i wanted to see that i wanted to see those two women you know meet fall in love and you know have this this kind of flirtation that comes to this climactic point where they're literally it's life and death. Only one of them is gonna walk away from it. I loved you. Loved you too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: you typically have to like I where I most commonly see that and I'm I'm a big I'm a big horror fan and that that's that's sort of my area of specialty the most common places to see that I feel like are in horror and genre cinema, where the ramifications of those kinds of dynamics are people dying, like, those Mm -hmm. women dying, committing suicide, being arrested, Um, one's trying to kill the other and consume her, like, assume her entire identity sort of thing. And it was nice to have that in a context that that was genre, that, that was working in the mystery realm, but didn't have to end with, like, didn't have to be catastrophic. Like, right. I, it was nice to have that not be directly related to utter madness or catastrophe.
3: Right.
0: right. a slight car accident. <laughs> <Yeah. So light. laughs> Just a knock
3: by a car. Will yeah. <laughs> she ever walk again? We're not sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite moment. <laughs> Very worried about yeah. your knees. It's still yeah. my favorite. Like, because these two women on the surface look so different. Mm-hmm. What I also loved was that they actually turn out to be not as different as they would appear. You know, yeah, at you a glance, know. they look like opposites. But they both have these really dark secrets that, that they're carrying that they can't tell anyone for mm-hmm. different reasons. And that is their connection, ultimately. And you know, they end up being, sort of seeing a mirror image of themselves in each other for, for different reasons. So I just like the, the message of that, which is you think you're different from these other women, you're not, not, mm-hmm. not yeah. fundamentally like. You yeah. have more in common than not.
0: Absolutely. I also think you know it is the question that we have kind of we've talked about a lot. The ending. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I personally feel like Sean should have gone to jail for no reason. I just, thought he, was an, no I just reason. thought he was annoying and I feel like he should have gone to jail. Yeah. Um, and in the book, famously, Emily does not go to jail. Um, Sean <laughs> disappears to Ireland for some reason. Who cares? <laughs> He's equally uninteresting in the book. Don't yeah. worry about it. Um, <laughs> And she has like her freedom with her kid and she escapes after, you know, there's some questions about the mysterious insurance investigator's death. (laughs) And she gets her passport and her kid and the book ends. And I think that's fun, but I understand how that would not be necessarily satisfying for a lot of American audiences. Yeah. yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the process of like deciding to switch up that ending and um, why my queen had to be punished, I guess.
3: Yeah. We we did we actually worked more on the ending than any other part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes and, sense. um when when Paul said he wanted a happy ending, I said, what about a flash mob? And he said <laughs> 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 i guys but not only did I write a flash mob, but he shot it.
1: Oh yeah, oh, oh, yeah, yeah the musical. It. The so musical yeah, proposal, the- right? Yeah. yeah.
3: yeah. It's, it's all, right? So there is a flash mob scene where Anna and Sean get together. I was like, you want a happy ending? I'm gonna give less, lists, right? I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, honestly,
1: you couldn't have gone bigger in that direction, like short of acapella.
3: And, and they, they put it in the cut, and then they tested it in front of audiences, and I was fascinated that audiences really did not want the two of them to get together. <sighs> Stephanie, will you marry me? Oh my God, you're so obsessed
1: with me. I did not.
3: Which which I thought was so interesting.
0: He should have been in jail, famously. I
3: just thought it was fascinating because, of course, he's so handsome and sexy. Very very beautiful. Come on, he's Henry Golding. (laughs) Right? Um, And and the way we wrote him, um, which may make him come across as boring, was we always wanted to make him a mystery, where you didn't know Mm -hmm. Which side he was on, you didn't know what his agenda was. You didn't know uh-huh. if he was playing her or not. So yeah. when you write a character like that, you have to keep a lot of it off screen, and you have to keep him very kind of opaque. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and that made him maybe less interesting because you don't get a window into his real, you know, inner life. Um, but that was just for the record, intentional. Oh, no, yes. no, no, it oh, totally, yes, no,
1: it totally, and it's it's perfect in, in its intention, because like you have that, I mean, it all leads up for me. Like the, the purpose of Sean is to lead up for me in that moment in the graveyard where Blake is like running down what she's gonna do and she's like, you can take Sean. And oh, Stephanie I goes, Sean. I don't want Sean, what are you kidding me? <laughs> and it's like, yes, yes, let's have Sean for the express purpose of talking about how we don't want Sean, <laughs> like it and was he was it. He, right. he was also a mystery to me
2: because like I did, I asked Paul, I was like, did he, did they have the threesome or did they not have the threesome? <laughs> I need to know. Like there were bits that I just, like I was still like wondering exactly what was in his head in a way that, that was good and that I enjoyed.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah. No, he's, he's, a I mean, in. Emily and Stephanie together just tease out such a fascinating psychosexual, interesting <laughs> dynamic. Like you, you have to have that foil next yeah. to him, and he's he's the perfect foil. It would work if
2: he was interesting.
0: It wouldn't right.
1: make no. sense. No, no, it's still not. beautiful. And he, that sex scene
2: between like him and Anna are is like wonderful. And you it, see yeah, his well tattoo done. tattoo and his like yeah, it's, <laughs> it's awesome. it works.
3: I think also from Stephanie's perspective, he's a very big part of. What makes Emily's life so desirable? Right. She has the beautiful house. She has the beautiful husband. She mm-hmm. has the child. She has the glamorous job in the city. It's all a package, mm-hmm. like yeah. all goes together. And I think if she had been a single mom, she might not have felt that way. Stephanie mm-hmm. yeah. might not have felt that way about her because the biggest thing that I think is driving Stephanie is her loneliness. Yeah. So I think yeah. The fact that the other woman is married is a big deal to her, mm-hmm. and she wants not just that marriage, but she literally wants that guy because yeah. he yeah. is yeah. the symbol of the thing that she screwed up in her own life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that moment where they t- where it's just like they talk about literature for a moment, like it is like. It's layered in yeah, there. I read your book. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and, and, and that's where we get like, uh, uh, Stephanie's, you know, backstory of like, yeah, Barnard and all of that. That is, that is like one of our first layers
3: that we peel back. Right. We liked the idea. I mean, he wasn't, as you know, um, if you read the book, he's not a writer in the book.
0: He's yeah, like, no, he's like an insurance finance man. I don't know. He, he goes to the city.
3: city. Yeah. A- got <laughs> it. Okay. And, um, we really wanted to see a true connection between mm-hmm. him and Stephanie. Mm-hmm. And so the idea that he's got a sort of noble and respectable job and not a high paying job, not a fancy yeah. job in the city, you know, he's, you know, he's a he's a he's an academic. As a
1: longtime journalist, historically, I am absolutely paid in respect. That is (laughs) the currency of my realm, so I understand.
2: Makes it even more believable that they need
3: insurance money. (laughs) I know. I'm teaching uh, for the last couple years at USC, and I really can't believe how little teachers get paid. It's it's horrendous. Academia, yeah. a scam. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it's really astonishing, especially given how much they charge for tuition. You do the math. Yes. Oh, God. Saying,
1: what? How much? How much does the football program really need? You guys? <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Are you teaching screenwriting in there?
3: I am. I teach at the START Program, and I love mm-hmm. it. Okay. You I have
1: all. a. I have a question for you. A thing that not specifically related to USC, though. Fight on. Um, I, w- Vulture uh, used to do this package every year where around the Oscars, they would talk to screenwriters for nominated films about the toughest scene that they wrote. Right. And so I, and it's something I've found that I really enjoy asking screenwriters about. So like either I wanted to hear from you sort of about either what was the, the, the toughest scene that you found in this one when you were picking your way through the script or the, the one that kind of, when you got it, when you finally unlocked it, you realize mm-hmm. like, oh, the movie's in place. Like, right. I, I have found that keystone, I've put it where it needs to go, yeah. and I, I see the whole thing. Like, I, is, was there a scene
3: like that for you?
1: In something that can, there's, there's twists on twists.
3: <laughs> well, that final showdown between the three of them, mm-hmm. is the house, which is maybe the only time, well, there's two times that the three of them are on screen together. It's like, yeah. first meet, when right. she meets the couple. And then at the end, that final showdown, which is kind of a one-act play, it's very mm-hmm. long. Mm-hmm. And it has lots of moments and beats and twists and turns and mm-hmm. who's playing who. And that was a very hard scene to write, and okay. probably wrote many, many drafts of yeah. that.
1: That was before you told me you loved me, and it turned out you were laughing at me behind my back. Stephanie, so maybe we should take it down a notch. You used me. You used me too. But you had me making you dinner. Watching your kids, your deck.
3: I had no idea that she was still alive.
1: Stop lying. Okay, guys, I think we should just sit down and talk this out.
2: Emma, you sit down. You hated Stephanie. Used to watch her vlog and rip her apart. All I wanted was to be her friend.
1: You were.
3: Um, so that that one I would say for sure. Okay. Okay. And figuring out exactly how Stephanie has planned to one up. Emily and Emily mm-hmm. got one over on Stephanie, and just trying to map that all out was, right. was challenging. But for me, the biggest challenge of the book when I went to adapt it, mm. the twin comes first, and that's a problem. And then it's only when the twin is dead that she comes up with this pocketa plan Yeah. and throws it into motion. So that that was, that reordering of events was um, yeah. something that I thought about a lot because okay. it just in the book felt so convenient to me that she's got an identical twin (laughs) and has an insurance scam plan and that so so that was probably an adapting it sort of my aha moment where i was like oh i can just switch the order of these two things now it doesn't feel so convenient it's hard hard to read it. it
0: Knowing, knowing how the movie goes, reading the book, and being like, "Well, wait, why? How does she have this twin? Where did this person come from?" That was like a very confusing.
3: The conceit of having an identical twin that nobody in your life knows about. How are you married for all those years, and your husband doesn't know you have an identical twin? And I had to come up with a really compelling reason you would not tell your Mm -hmm. spouse about your twin or anybody in your family. Right, 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 and so that's where the crime came, and that was not in the book that the girls had committed a crime. Um, that was just intended. Yeah. I do have
1: a book book movie question uh, for the experts here. Is Linda Cardellini's character in the book? No. Actually, sorry, okay, so you got to just yeah, no. come up with the knives scene. <laughs> that was something you just we got to scene. make up and do.
3: Yeah. That character was totally invented. I'll tell you what it was in the book. What it was in the book is that Emily has bought a Diane Arbus photo. Oh, okay. That's of twins. Yep. Right? Okay. And that's the clue that she has a twin, because she's obsessed with this photo of twins. Yeah. So instead of it being, um, actually, this is kind of a funny story. Instead of it being a photo of twins, we decided to make it a painting, of a, <laughs> but, but the painting was not the beaver painting. The painting <laughs> okay. Okay. was of Blake looking in a mirror, so it actually was still twins. Okay. Okay. So, okay. 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 Clever. Less we original. looking in a mirror, and uh-huh. here's what happened, so I'm going to tell you some inside scoop. Yes. So, so we, we shot it with that painting, and Blake hated the painting. Oh. <laughs> So she said to Paul, I, We gotta change that painting. Interesting. And she, and she went out and found this, I guess, this artist and this painting, and they came up with this hilarious. I mean, you've seen it in the movie. It's incredible. <laughs> Amazing. But the, twin, but the twin thing went away once the big vagina was there.
1: So the big vagina was a product of the brainstorming between Blake and an artist. Yes. That's so lifelike. Yeah. Do you like it? Uh, How could you not? It's, um... Right?
2: Yeah, I used to dye my hair. I get bored easily.
1: Yes. That, For, she she retroactively earns this Oscar with more every conversation <laughs> more with every conversation we have. Jesus, come and on.
3: Credit to Blake Lively. So wow. the twin thing completely fell away because yeah. it was meant to be a subtle thing with her looking in a mirror. So it's right. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the twin thing went out the window, and this giant banana <laughs> was born. Yeah, thank so. God. I think,
2: the, I think we've got a we've got a new screenwriting tip here. Always replace twin imagery
1: <laughs> yeah. with. Giant giant a vagina, giant
0: vagina. Yeah,
1: if you're gonna do an illusion, if you're gonna do a foreshadowing thing, get more creative. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get a genital in there. <laughs> so Diane Arbus became Dyke Maplethorpe in the form of Linda Cardellini. <laughs> yes, yes. Wow, fully incredible. Yes. That is, I mean, that it's it's the, one of the such the strengths of this movie is how so many vignettes in it can stand out as like the best movie you saw that month or something like the the gene smart scene the linda Cardellini Jean smart, scene gene smart incredible like incredible. there are just so many standalone moments that are like Wow, I just, I just want to revisit these specific things and watch them over and over again if I don't have time to do the whole movie. Oh. And and Linda's really a high ranking one on that list. But
3: for me, the funniest scene in the movie, the one that I, I laughed so hard at the premiere, was the Bashir Salah scene when he comes over and she's in the tight dress and she's yeah. oh, <laughs> so good. <laughs> he makes me laugh so hard because him, the two of them playing opposite each other. Aww. He is so deadpan. Yeah. Yeah. His tone is so weird and so funny. I was sitting behind him and his wife at the premiere, and I just like, I couldn't stop fangirling over him (laughs) because I think he's a genius. Like, I just love him so much. Uh, Were you aware
1: that he took out an extra $4 million life insurance policy on Emily before she disappeared?
3: I was not. Aware of that? No, I'm. Mm-hmm. I, I, why? How would I? <laughs> okay. All right. Ah, yeah, I don't. I'm sorry. I. What, what are you. Are you saying he had her rubbed out? He hired a hitman? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say anything about him hiring a hitman. You just did. Yeah, he's it's such all a. All of a, such his weird, like, meetings.
2: performance in this. Yeah,
3: they're just so
0: unexpected and so yeah. funny and then like watching Anna try to be like cool but like not able to move in right. that dress that's so right. long on her because she's so tiny
1: the kinds of comedy that each of them are doing in that scene is entirely different and yet it's working together perfectly and they're equally okay. as effective I
3: just love her discomfort so much oh. and it's so good
1: Anna Kendrick, underrated physical comedy actress
3: oh my God. she's a genius <laughs> yeah. absolutely She's so great. I the mean, dress, the part. playing
1: drunk, like, it just, <laughs> it, it, it sings. It really sings.
3: <laughs> thank you. Well, I didn't, I didn't say thank you. Thank you for, for loving this movie. I love it. Too. <laughs> Thanks for writing it. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Fun. Truly. It to <laughs> it our was, lives. Fun. So not every job is as fun. So this one was <laughs>
1: fun. Yeah, no, it, it, after, after recording with Paul, uh, I uh, said this before to in another one of our conversations, Christina, like as soon as we got off, she was like, "You know, he's the friend everyone <laughs> needs. He's the director everyone should have." And again, the more we learn, the more that gets reinforced. I don't, I don't know a better person. <laughs> I don't know Leife. a better person. <laughs> things to say <laughs> Love that. Well, I, I mean, we have we've pressed on into the evening. So I want to make sure that if you have, if, I mean, it's been a couple years now, if you've been sitting wow. on anything that you want to say about a simple favor, you feel like there's something we've looked over. Jessica, please feel free to chime in and share whatever it is. Okay, which is a really uh, unfair question. It's like, a, oh, it's like the what's your favorite everything. movie on the spot kind of, of yeah. thing. But like, I just want to make sure we don't we don't cross you out. Well, I heard
3: you guys talking with Paul about, but Paul and I have, you guys have sparked, by the way, <laughs> oh. about a simple favor too. Yeah. <laughs>
2: we That's, can take credit? Yes. <laughs>
1: you, I think you, 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 I'm sure you know by now that that is exactly why we exist. Kind of our goal.
3: So. Yeah. So, yep. The We're, we're here for it. <laughs> My brain is spinning on like, what's the next misadventure for Emily? and
1: yes. mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Someone's we getting, getting out of prison.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: Moving in together to raise their kids, a single mom. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Who can say what happens? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's
3: to build on for the second one. So we're going to be starting from scratch. That'll be interesting.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean that all, all I hear is imaginations running wild. All I hear is just untethered creativity. So I'm personally very (laughs) thrilled about that. I do, I do have to like, there's such a, cause we talked to Paul about the, the amazing absurdist twist that he, employs in like all of his movies that just ratchets up the sort of insanity to a new level and I'm so glad that your guys's styles married in that moment with this source material to give us brotherfucker and to give yeah. us the like tw- the like Russian nesting doll of twists I am so glad that both of you seem to have brought out the best each other in that way because that's one of my favorite things about Paul <laughs> Feed's entire filmography yeah
3: yeah he, he's he's fearless I have to say you know he just went
0: yeah. he went for it and Except gave for us sex this gift scenes. that's Except where his- well, <laughs> yeah.
3: everyone only has beard. something it's like terrified that he's gonna say what <laughs> <laughs> long for the flash mob and he had a choreographer I mean, he went for it and i just really admire somebody whose game even if it doesn't work like just yeah both
1: as 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 the self-proclaimed maximalist on this mm, podcast mm-hmm. yes that is your role yes yeah. just go for it just <laughs> say yes and just say yes and
3: <laughs> for sure why
0: yeah, not? Jordan brings a real improv uh, ethos to the podcast which we really
1: appreciate. <laughs> which does include shouting in the direction of Paul Feig telling him that I like how crazy this movie got. So there's there's no bound there's no restraint to me either. So thanks for coming and playing in this sandbox for a while. <laughs>
3: well, that's great. I thank you guys so much for for this. It was so fun and of, I of t- course I just can't believe this podcast exists i told my sister about it tonight she's
2: like you're kidding (laughs) (laughs) you just need to know how quickly we jumped at the
1: possibility of this when jordan brought it up we were like of course that's what we're gonna be doing it was immediate we were on a separate thread in like a public thread somewhere else and this movie came up so i immediately messaged the both of them was like would you guys want to do a mini series podcast just about this movie Right. Yes. definitely. Of course I would. So it was, the planning stages were this long before we pulled <laughs> the trigger on it. And it. it's like, we do our research,
2: we do our homework, we prepare stuff, but also you, you, there's a lot less preparation and research than you would expect just because we came at it with already a <laughs> yeah. thorough Stan experience <laughs>
3: yeah. of, of knowledge of, of all of this that we never knew was in there. And that's a good thing. I mean, honestly, I, I was a literature, I was in a PhD program in literature before I moved to Hollywood. And I always thought that the authors would be both charmed and horrified to hear the conversations that were going <laughs> about their books because, you know, it's just meant to be consumed for fun, mm-hmm. literature or film, you know. And so, we don't, a lot of it is unconscious, what we put in there. Mm-hmm. It's so fun to hear, you know, the fanning out of it, and <laughs> enjoyment of all the little details, some
1: of which we just didn't even realize were there. <laughs> 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 so we made it! Very fun for us as well. Yeah, it's your, like, as, as working oh. professional screenwriters, like, it's your job to make things, and then go on to your next thing, and then metabolize out that experience, and move on. And as fans, it is our job to live in this loop forever. <laughs> and just keep talking and celebrating so we'll be in 2018 still in this regard as you as you work on a simple favor too until we have that to spring forward and into. then yeah podcast uh, round two <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we we have the players now so i look forward to us re- doing the redux of this so that, uh, f- that friends, uh, concludes your next serving of Inside Scoop on the making and wonder of A Simple Favor. Uh, thank you again to Jessica Sharzer for joining us. And what a I night. What a, a night, delight. guys. We did it again. We did, we it, did again. it again. <laughs> An icon, a queer, a queer
2: coding hero. Yeah. <laughs> <A tech leader.
1: laughs> I don't
2: even know yes. what I'm saying. A textual, textually
1: executed queer romance yes. hero. Not even code. Mm-hmm.
2: Not even code. A, a love story in right 3 right there. She added those knives. She added those knives. She architected <laughs> the knives. She brought the knives out.
0: <laughs>
2: they were in.
0: Ryan Johnson them found dead in a ditch. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, and you know, as ever, you guys can come gab about us, about knives, about paintings, about anything, um, A Simple Podcast slash A Simple Favor related at the hashtag A Simple Podcast.
1: Yeah, and and please, please do uh, continue. I, I say continue because I expect that you are continue clamoring for mm-hmm. A Simple Favor too. Uh, we have reason to hope. We have reason to believe. So now we just need that grassroots Support to keep swelling up because uh, we have a job to do here. We have a mandate, and that is to get you guys to bring the Kickstarter
0: energy to this.
2: (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Go full Veronica Mars movie. make it better (laughs) than the Veronica
0: Mars movie.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But like, yes, but like with the fervor. Yeah. Like, Mm. know that you'll get a t shirt at some point. (laughs) 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 Yeah, exactly. Tweet. The hashtag a simple f- a favor too, as well as yeah. a simple pod. Yeah. And that will make us happy.
3: We love and it. Don't you just want to we... make
2: Paul Feig happy today after he's made us happy?
1: Yeah. And after so he, it sounds like has been a phenomenal supporter of, of the people that he's worked with and has helped them make the best of what they do to make yeah. the best final product for what he's making. And that, that's a really and, yeah thing to continue. Let's doing. be honest.
0: He's made this podcast a yes. lot better by getting <laughs> yes. so many people to come on and talk to us. <laughs>
2: so. just us a lot of people. <laughs> I, I got to say, I feel very out on a ledge standing a white man like this <laughs> it's, a it's a very vulnerable it feels, place. it is it's very vulnerable. it feels risky well, uh, like I, I, feel I honestly it think it feels safe at the same time
0: open and beautiful of us to be this vulnerable <laughs> and to share this vulnerability and our hesitation around this vulnerability with our listeners I think, I think it's that's very really important. brave I think it's really brave
1: I think you guys are being extremely brave thank I you I would like to I would <laughs> every like day to of my life <laughs> All right. So should we should we throw out our socials and, oh, and yeah. say Oh yeah. If you want to come, time?
0: tell me how brave I am on Twitter, um, where I'm probably currently <laughs> being very brave when you hear this. Uh, you can <laughs> do so at C underscore Grace T. Um, Alana, where can people find you?
2: You can find me on Twitter at Alana Bennett, A L A N N A b-e-n-n-e-t-t
1: so it's <laughs> something more like a jingle every yeah. Time. yeah is there a song i think
0: i can get a song out of it every time I and mean, it's not there yet we will just, yeah there like, has to, to be recording. some sort
1: of like like ringtone style loop <laughs> that can be done about it you'll can find me tweeting just frankly too much and frankly revealing too much <laughs> hey and you know vulnerability you can find me <laughs> at jorker j-o-r-c-r-u Check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash Cruciola, and check out the Disaster Girls podcast in case you're not tired of hearing me talk yet. You're
0: not. We stand, Jordan, support Thank her you. with everything you have. Thank you.
1: But yeah, uh, bye, moms, and we, will, we <laughs> will be seeing you next time. Bye, moms. Bye, several.
2: moms. Several
1: bye, moms. <laughs>